Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day to share this journey with me. If you're new to the podcast, I'm a Sydney-based broadcaster, musician, and executive producer of the number one pay television show in Australia. I'm also father of three and grandfather of two. I host a weekly podcast about the Camino de Santiago. But I've only walked the Camino Francaise, once from Sahun to Santiago and once from Lourdes to Santiago. I haven't walked the Camino Anglaise, the Camino Norte, the Via de la Plata, the Camino Privativo, the Portuguese and Portuguese Coastal Caminos, or Le Puy en Valais, the Camino to Finisterre, or Camino Muxia. The list goes on and on. There are 80,000 kilometres of Camino trails across Europe. So if you walked 25 kilometres a day, 3,200 days, or if you have a couple of days off a month, that's almost nine years of walking. The Camino is famous for its energy and it's well known as a spiritual and mystical journey, a pilgrimage. The French author Frédéric Gross wrote in his best-selling book, A Philosophy of Walking. None of your knowledge, your reading, your connections will be of any use here. Two legs suffice and big eyes to see with. Walk alone across mountains or through forests. You are nobody to the hills or to the thick boughs, heavy with greenery. You are no longer a role or a status, not even an individual, but a body, a body that feels sharp stones on the paths, the caress of long grass and the freshness of the wind. When you walk, the world has neither present nor future. Nothing but the cycle of mornings and evenings. Always the same thing to do all day. Walk. But the walker who marvels while walking, the blue of the rocks in a July evening light, the silvery green of olive leaves at noon, the violet morning hills, has no past, no plans, no experience. He has within him the eternal child. While walking, I am but a simple gaze." The world has changed immeasurably this year. Who knows what lies ahead? One thing is certain. No one knows what the future holds. Pilgrimage and the promise of pilgrimage can be the salve of our times. And that is walking to the beat of your heart. And my guest this week is the founder of followthecamino.com, one of the leading providers of organised trips to the Camino de Santiago, Umberto Divinosa. He's on the line from Dublin. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hi, Dan. Let me begin by asking a simple question, but I suspect the answer is not so simple. Is the Camino for everyone? Definitely. I have seen children... Grown-up children and a lot older people walking, uh, people walking that were fit and that couldn't make it, people walking who were very unfit and did make it. So to answer your question, it is definitely for everyone. How do you describe the Camino to people who ask you about it? I describe the Camino as this ancient pilgrimage trail that leads to the cathedral of San to the cathedral of Santiago and the tomb of St James that has attracted so many people over uh, the past thousand years and it is something almost the people engulf in they, 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 they get attracted once they, once they start um, so something like this something uh, also, Sociable. I wouldn't concentrate so much on the walking aspect in the sense that um, the Camino on any route would cross so much, uh, so many different types of landscapes and, and cultures. Even you know that the social aspect for me, it's it's it's, uh, it's basically the common aspect of any Camino. Yeah, the people make it, don't they? It's the people that you meet, the people from all over the world, walking with a common a common goal, a common sense of, of spirituality and, and indeed intent. 
But I just wonder then, Umberto, how does someone who relies on the Camino to put bread on the table, how do you reconcile making it a commercial enterprise? Well, I have absolutely no problem with that. I'll tell you why. Uh, my clients, okay, are usually 60 years old over. So they are the people who have worked before doing whatever job they, they had to do. Uh, my job, because I'm not there yet, is to organize holidays and to give great memories to people. And that takes a lot of work, believe me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I give a lot of talks. I guide groups and so on. And some people that book with a travel agent like us, you know, follow the Camino, they say, oh, well, you should do it on your own and you shouldn't book accommodation. And, you know, uh, to those people, I wouldn't, uh, you don't have to buy a good pair of Gore-Tex shoes either. You don't have to buy a very good backpack with great support uh, for your trip either. Never mind whether you're booking your accommodation in advance or not. So uh, as well, uh, you know, we have to be careful that the Camino, uh, while there is an aspect uh, of personal commitment in the sense that you obviously you don't want it too rosy either you have to get a bit of sweat a bit of uh, uh, of pain in the ankle at some stage if you go for a longer period of time uh, you don't have to suffer either it is not the way of St. Paul where you have to whip yourself all around and mm. walk bare feet if that's your thing go for it uh, if you want a bit more comfort there is no shame whatsoever yeah yeah, because you're a Frenchman, we can tell by listening to you, you're a Frenchman living in Dublin, organizing tours of Spain. How did all this come about? With uh, actually no French blood. My blood is more mostly uh, Italian and, uh, and, and British, actually. Uh, oh. So, uh, uh, yeah, well, look... Um, I am a European pizza, as I call it, <laughs> you know, a bit of this, a bit of that. Uh, I arrived in Ireland in 2003. Uh, I came first because I wanted to do a bilingual school, and my English was really, really bad. So my teacher said, look, I take you on next year, uh, next term, if you spend summer in, in, in Ireland. So I came over, did my, uh, <laughs> my uh, small jobs here and there, and uh, I, I was then able to attend a bilingual school. And after that, I came back uh, here to Ireland. So, and, and the origin bit, you know, in France, we are a multicultural country. You know, it is very, very common to be from uh, Southern Europe, from yeah. Eastern Europe, from Northern Africa, from wherever, you know. So. I just love it. I, I could listen to your accent all day, actually. But let's, let's get to Follow the Camino. How does it work? Followthecamino.com. So, uh, our job, okay, I see us as coaches in the sense that we have a website like many uh, other uh, media channels. Uh, you have your own podcast, uh, and that's uh, your, 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 where you set up the, the, the communication. For us, we have a website, and we offer trips. Uh, but for me, I am a problem solver. And back in 2006 and seven, when we started the business, I started to break down this Camino into pieces, section one, section two, because a couple of websites that were offering the Camino mostly in the French language, they would say from Saint-Jean to Pamplona or to Logroño, from Logroño uh, to Burgos. But for somebody coming from the US, from Ireland, what is Pamplona? I mean, it's mm-hmm. nothing. Nobody has ever heard about it. So let's say, look, people understand numbers. So it's going to be section one, section two, section three, and so on. So there is also uh, uh, an idea that you accumulate or you progress through. So what we do is that once we get somebody uh, who, who, who inquire with us, we just check with them who they are. We talk to them. We like to understand who they are because... It is very, very important to have a good trip uh, that we set the bar the right way. Just to give you an example, some people might ring us and ask us to cover more ground. Ah, I'm able to do 30 kilometers a day, no problems, can you put more? And, you know, you've been, you've been there yourself. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's either 20 or 25 or 37, so you have to pick one of these. And so this is why I'm saying that we are more like coaches saying, look, guys, 
maybe you need to think about having a good time as opposed to clock in the miles. It mm-hmm. is not a race. And that's something that people, uh, it doesn't come naturally. The second thing is uh, uh, we, need to, we need to make sure that they are prepared mentally. If, obviously, the shorter period of time you go for, uh, the more accessible it gets. However, most people that do the Camino, especially with, a, with an agency like us, I've never gone walking for five days in a row, mm. and rightly so. Why would I have there? You know, it's a, it's a, it's very logical. So we have to tell them, look, God, oh, I'm not sure I can do it, and it is a mental game where it is not a race, uh, uh, it is not a question of speed. It's a question of do it your own way. If it takes you six hours for the stage, who cares? If it takes you four, that's fine. There is absolutely no uh, problem with either of these, but. In the world we live in, we are here to compare everything. Oh, but my friend is this, and I heard that you could do 30 kilometers. And we're like, look, look, who are you? Have you gone walking? Can you walk for five hours? Well, I've never done it. Look, let's go for something a bit more medium that you're sure you're going to enjoy. Um, and that's, that's, that's most of our job. So once we, uh, we, 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 we have an itinerary for somebody, whether or not they want an extra night here and there, uh, the right level of accommodation. Like we organize hostel accommodation, uh, pension, up to three, four star, whatever, you know. Uh, once we have that, then people can, uh, can book and we'll organize everything. So from that stage, we will block everything for, for, for our customers uh, and we'll uh, uh, keep in touch until the trip. And then we are there as a support while on the ground. Mm-hmm. Support can be... Uh, a luggage which is late or delivered in the wrong accommodation, super, super rare. We have come to a level of, uh, of accuracy in our uh, uh, booking system, which is amazing because we have a platform that every supplier has access to and we have access to and the client has access to. So they, 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 there is no translation of things. So it's really, really uh, simplified. Um, and sometimes it's for support such as the COVID, for example, where there was a lot of work either yeah. with our people yeah. on the ground uh, or things like this or injuries. I get a, a, a female traveler. She's there with her 16-year-old son. She has blisters and she asked me, what can I do? I said, look, would you leave him walking on his own? Yes, I would. Right. Then you take a cab or a bus to your next stage. You read a book while your son, 16, start to fly off his own wings and walk 20K in Spain on his own. Mm-hmm. And this is why we're, why we're here, to reassure people. And if there's an issue, we can get anything done within half an hour. Like we can get a taxi anywhere. Like it's, um, that's, yeah, that's what we're all about. What, what is the latest then, Umberto, in terms of the COVID-19? Dan, the latest things is nothing. We don't know, you know, we... We live in this uh, this unknown. Uh, back in March, April, we were like, ah, oh, it's going to be a two, four weeks thing. I think like everyone, basically. But then it became a three, four month thing. And now it's, I believe we're lucky if we get anything started in March, April next year. Because the, 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 the passing uh, test will be the vaccine, I believe. So... It is really difficult. Hostel and hotels are open on the ground, but some of them they are not even bothered. You know, uh, they just they just um, close down for the whole year. So I believe down there on the Camino there is 25% of the volume of pilgrims there would be a, um, a normal year, and that's July August when Spanish people mostly and and, and youngsters uh, mm. would travel most. For September, October, it's, um, yeah, there isn't, there isn't much going on down there. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned um, in the introduction some of the Caminos that are lesser known Caminos, but they're growing more in popularity. Yeah. Why do you think we as pilgrims are seeking out a path less travelled? Maybe not so much the most famous Caminos. The Camino is comforting. I don't know, you speak to many people. I have a friend of mine here in Northern Ireland that always do the French way. And I keep telling him, why don't you do the Portuguese way? No, 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 man, no, I do the French way because I know it. So what I mean by that is the Camino is somewhere 
where with any level of uh, physical ability, you can become an expert, okay? It is not mountaineering. Uh, it is not long-distance running. So for Mary, age 58, she could be an expert of the Camino because she's been there three, four times. Yeah. So it attracts them. And the second thing is that while it attracts us, we also need a change somehow. Uh, and so going for a Portuguese way or a northern way, uh, uh, it's also once people have gained confidence saying, okay, the French way, there are loads of guidebooks, loads of information online, I give it a go. You know, yeah, I've been there and I see that I could get on okay. So lots of people have done the northern way. I'm tempted by Bilbao or Santander. I don't know. And then they give it a go. So there is this kind of... Uh, almost like a rubber band between uh, hmm. uh, uh, co confidence and, and, and comfort and adventure. And you know that you'll be fine. You know that you've got your, your cafe, uh, cafe con leche word, <laughs> uh, word phrase, you know, you've got your uh, tortilla de patata. So mm. you've gained that yeah. level of confidence that says, look, I can do it. Yeah, yeah. How wonderful. So, so Umberto, tell us about your Camino journey. Well, uh, I'm, originally, I'm originally uh, not so much of a walker, but more of a rugby player. So that's, ah. uh, that's my, my, my sporting career. Really? Uh, You're a rugby? Yeah. I'm a rugby man. Right. right. Very good. Yeah. What position did you play? I played, the highest level I played was hooker, oh. uh, otherwise flanker. Really? Um, oh, you, you, I don't know about you. You're, you're tough. You're hardhead. Yeah, let's say that. Uh, I, uh, yeah, it's hard to put me down. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, that's that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you so, go. Oh, that's awesome! Wow, well, and, we've and, got know, something in common, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so through that, um, when we started the the, the, the business, the, the first name was One Foot Abroad, and yes. we didn't really care of the Camino as much in the sense that it was one of the trips amongst. Uh, Cinque Terre in Italy, uh, Tuscany, the Loire Valley, loads of, uh, uh, as well, uh, amazing trips. Um, so I started walking then. Um, I did one year, I did La Haute Route in, uh, in, in uh, Switzerland, which is a uh, two to 3,000 meters altitude uh, hike. I did, that was my first hike. And then coming back to Ireland, I right away flew to Spain and did the English way and the Portuguese way. Only issue is, I had my mountaineering hiking boots. So, I don't know if you can imagine, but I was like everyone else, uh, a newbie. <laughs> and I remember, uh, after 10 days in Betanzos, for those who know a bit of the English way, which is this uh, kind of medieval lost village, yeah. I couldn't walk anymore. I had a tendonite in my Achilles. So, I was gone. I was done. So, I went to the tourist office, asked for help, got uh, me an appointment for... Um, for the physio at 5 o'clock. It was only 12 o'clock then. I said, what can I do? I said, go to the farmer's uh, market down there and, and you'll have food there. I went to this, this hall where there were, it was the end of the market, so there was only a few chicken left to, it was a live animal uh, market. There was only a few chicken left to be sold. Anyway, sat at this massive table on benches with everybody else around, all of my wine, all of my ribs, and yeah, that was my Camino. You know, I was <laughs> I belong somehow. Yeah. Went to see the physio. The physio, the physio magician fixed me up in half an hour, and the next day I was able to walk again. So that was my first experience. Now that was December time, so it wasn't uh, the buzz that uh, people uh, might have more in mind, but it was a uh, it was amazing. You know, uh, great experience. Yeah, yeah. You know. It, it, the Camino is always changing. Um, there's a new albergue opens here, another one closes there. Um, the, the very nature of tourism is changing all the time with Airbnb and, and pensions and all levels of... How do you do your research? How do you stay up to date um, with, with, with everything that's happening when you're in Dublin and you're talking about trips abroad? Yeah, look, that's something that people ask, oh, how can you know the Camino if you're in Dublin? Say, look, if we were in Santiago, we wouldn't be 
uh, where our clients are 95% of the time. So what does it matter? If we're in Syria, same thing. We would see our people arriving mm. for their first day, but they would be gone the next day. So being in Dublin gives us access uh, within a, an hour and a half of flights to anywhere on the Camino. Now, in fairness, we don't need to go because we are working with really, really good suppliers that uh, uh, we work with for, 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 for many years. We only change. We get feedback from customers, you see, and we have a warning system. If we get one uh, uh, review that says mm, there was an issue, we check with the supplier, and every year we know if there are two or three, and then we downgrade accommodation. With regards to uh, uh, new accommodation and so on, I suppose being... Uh, on the bigger side of, of operating the Camino, people contact us, so mm. we check them out, we check reviews online. The issue, you see, is that at first we would have gone there and visited every place, but they can put up the show for while you're there, and that's not really a good reflection of uh, what customers see. So, you know, sometimes for me, I believe that we have to help each other and we use our customers for feedback, we use reviews, we use our taxis, um, uh, everybody. So for me, we are partners with our suppliers and so we need to know what's going on and then we do it like this. Every now and again, when we go there, uh, we go there a couple of times a year at least, uh, we go and visit one or two places. But to be honest, Dan, we haven't changed so much because people are satisfied. What I mean by that is whatever we offer to our clients, it's not so much on price. You know, if an, an alberger or an accommodation company says, oh, I can do it a couple of euros cheaper, I am not interested, to be honest, because I know that the people I bring my clients with are nice. For example, we don't go for a, a higher rating star, starring hotel in a bigger town, mm. uh, like Santiago, four, five star, which is 25 minutes walk from the center. Right. There's absolutely no point. You walk five days, 30 days to this point. I'm not walking 25 minutes to Rua Franco, you know? <laughs> no, no way. It's, it's not happening. So we prefer a three-star hotel, smaller, 10, 14 rooms, uh, a few, three or 400 meters away. So we go for the experience. How Okay, we treat our clients the way we would like to be treated. So, yeah. and this is not on shiny stuff. You know, sh shiny, cheap stuff, we can all do it. Like it's, there is, but the issue is that it means that there is corners being cut somewhere. So for us, we're here for a, a global experience. And we like sometimes in Oya, for example, you go to an hotel with um, the, one of the, the waiter uh, is deaf and his wife is mute. So it's hard to communicate. And they still work with their parents for whatever, however long they, they, they last. But we love for people to go and see these people. They are brilliant. They, mm. they put their heart on their hand. They give you anything. They'd be very helpful. And for me, that's partly the, 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 the experience. Yeah. And I think also, um, if you are saying to people, we can provide the blueprint, but really you're going to go and have your own experience. Am I right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm, uh, we are a facilitator. We give you tips. But after, it's your well, journey. And yeah. we support you however we can for that. Yeah, because I, I saw on the website that your customers or clients uh, receive walking notes. They get maps and stuff. But how much space is there for pilgrims to find their own journey? I suppose on the, our walking notes, uh, we start off with... These walking notes are here to describe the route, etc. However, do not read them while you walk, okay? We, again, we are coaching them. You don't read your head uh, down on a guidebook or on a map. Yeah. So we say that, the, so basically, uh, I function on, we function on, on a few levels. There is a, a macro level saying, the Camino is easy to walk. Just show up and you will see the arrows. Secondary level is, well, that day you will walk from this village to this village to this village. And then there is a micro level which says, turn right, turn left at this stage. So for me, what that says is that we give however great or small level of information to whoever. Because some people are detail-orientated. Uh, my wife is, for example. She needs every single turn uh, mapped out. So yeah. we have them. But for me, I just show up and I say, yeah, I see an arrow down there. Yeah, I'll go there and I'll see how I get on then. 
And <laughs> so for these people, we comfort them saying, it's okay not to read the, 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 the maps. Huh? So it's as a, a commercial company, we have to provide a great level of service, and I believe that's what we do. But as a coach, as a, as a friend almost, I want people to learn through their journey and not to feel the obligation to have everything. It's mm. okay. We all forget the walking notes. We all forget the map. We all get lost. I get lost with two GPS sometimes because I don't pay attention. Anyway, <laughs> it's just... It's just how things are, I suppose. Yeah, and everybody's different. And I'm certain that you get, um, sometimes you, you get people who don't want a lot of guidance or advice. Yeah, and, and look, I've trained the team so that within five minutes of a phone call, we know who you are in a way. Are you an expert? Do you yeah. know much? Do you know nothing? Uh, do you want guidance or not? And we'll just adapt. Some people want something very, very detailed, very uh, uh, hand-holding uh, relationship, and that's okay. Some people have their accommodations, say, can you do this? And that's no problem, okay? We're here to be uh, convenient, not to be in your face. So we'll communicate with a level that people require. It's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very simple, and sometimes people are friendlier. Some people, uh, sometimes people are more formal. We have to speak to a group of eight people. So that's difficult as well, because you have eight different mindset. But we, yeah, with the... Uh, at this stage, you know, we we have a good grasp of uh, how to handle these situations, and usually, just explaining, you know, kind of um, uh, giving a good roadmap of why, what's going on or why we do such thing. That's that's enough. Yeah, th- th- there's always a suggestion, isn't there, Umberto, that having your luggage transported is somehow taking the easy option. Now, I'm not. I, I'm a believer in it's your Camino. You do what you want. And however you get from point A to point B is your business. But so do, do all of your customers get their luggage shipped to the next town? Yeah, 99%. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's one of the big selling points that you get everything in one place. Right. You know? And so it's there at your accommodation when you get to the next town. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you put it at the reception by 8, 9 o'clock in the morning and yeah. as you walk. We have transporters that transport these uh, things. So mm. by one, two o'clock, it's in the next destination. I don't know. For me, I am a libertarian. Okay, we all have different things in mind. We all like things a different way. Uh, I'm here to say, can I do it? Do I want to do it? And that's where my boundary is. If somebody yeah. asks me to, to do something, I don't want to say, look, go somewhere else or do it yourself. Mm. Uh, but I also like to help people. Um, so we've organized challenges for people who are really fit. They wanted to run the Camino. I love that. You know, that's, that's a great story. You know, it's a, uh, it is challenging, but that's their Camino. And I'm yeah. not here to judge. It's, yeah. uh, okay. One thing that I see for me, the Camino is a way, uh, and you having played rugby, uh, when you're on the rugby pitch, uh, on the Camino, everybody has the same, let's go to, to the rugby, uh, uh imagery but uh, we all have a pair of socks pair of studs jersey and so no matter who you are no matter what background and however wealth you have what car you're driving on the pitch doesn't matter mm-hmm. the keys to your bmw uh the size of your five bed or your uh, student uh, uh, room uh, in the city center doesn't matter it's what you can do on the pitch and for me this is i think what something that People enjoy on the Camino as well, because as you walk, you'll meet a farmer, you'll meet an executive, you'll meet whoever, I don't know. But what is true is that no matter how deep your pocket is, it doesn't make you a better pilgrim or a faster pilgrim. And it doesn't matter. Uh, Usually, something that might frustrate me is what I find on the Camino community is that however open-hearted it is and, and forthcoming there is this question oh how many did you did you did you walk and for me that's not the right question it, it, it shouldn't be a question because is it because I've done 10 
than better than the person who's done five, really, or 20. And if that's so, does it mean that I have to commit every year to keep my uh, to keep myself ahead of the others? So these are the things that uh, make me a bit uncomfortable. Is the comparison type of thing, mm. you know? For me, yeah. you can be a very very good pilgrim or worker, or I don't care if you work once or twice and you enjoyed it and you lived it more than somebody that goes there many times. Yeah, I don't know. No, I agree with that. Indeed, my next question to you um, was. I know that my two Caminos were journeys of a lifetime. Um, you must get some incredible feedback, and it must be also a blessing for you and your team to be part of so many people's journey of a lifetime. De- definitely. There are stories, and, and we love them. This is why, again, I'm saying that we love our clients. We, we, we joke with them. We slag them off. I don't know. We, <laughs> you know, we are communicating 30, 40 times with them. You know? yeah. So you get to know them on the phone, by email. Their daughter is getting married this year, so they have to postpone for next year. So next year you give them a call. Um, so, but we, we yeah. And that's something that uh, each agent has. Like, uh, I used to be in touch with direct customers uh, previously, and I don't so much. I might have to go back to that soon because I'm losing more and more staff but, <laughs> uh, because of COVID. But I don't know, a person working for uh, because they are, they, they are cancer survivor, mm-hmm. they lost their, their wife, they want to catch up with their sister that they don't get on with in Switzerland. I don't know, loads of... And, you know, we joke in the office sometimes, oh, there is Mary and there is such and such. And, and we have stories. We're part of their journey. Uh, and uh, this is a bit like friendship, no? Yeah. Well, what it is. Uh, <laughs> I had a problem. I had to talk to, to this guy. Uh, yeah. And we also have guided tours and guided tours. I don't, I don't know. It takes another... Uh, level altogether where yeah. we're half uh, guides, half uh, psychologists or counselors That's, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I've got some questions about that. What sort of person is a guide, a Camino guide? You, you, you must be incredibly patient and incredibly understanding. You must be very good at fixing blisters. <laughs> who, is yeah, a, yeah, yeah. who is a Camino guide? So... A Camino guide, from my experience, if somebody is somebody, a guide in general, I'm also a mountain guide uh, myself, which is not super helpful on the Camino, uh, not really, but anyway, a Camino guide is somebody that doesn't want to have a nine-to-five job. So it's somebody that uh, seeks something else done, coming to an office, clocking in for eight hours and getting a paycheck. So they like people, they like the interaction. Um, We... We work with a few guides, but again, it's a bit like with our combination. We have one main main guide at the moment, another couple. So a guide is somebody that likes the interaction, um, likes being outdoor and the freedom. And all of these uh, fixing and patience you have, the guide gets the reward because he sees people growing. Well, hopefully. (laughs) That doesn't happen all the time. So... You know, so for me, and guides are very different. I guided a group next to one of my guides. We had two different groups in the same hotel. And he said, Umberto, how do you do that? Because she was there with her client for half an hour. I was there with my clients for five minutes explaining this the next day. Because we worked differently. She was giving them a turn-by-turn pictures. I said, look, lads, we start here at 9 o'clock. When you see that bridge, you stop, we regroup. So I have a different type of management. And my other guys, they, they work differently. Um, I, I suppose what is important is that a guide is, is neither a, a nurse. That's something to be careful. We are nursing, we are caring, but cannot look after 10 people with visitors. Mm-hmm. So we have very quickly to, um, to establish uh, some sort of authority to say, guys, this is what we do. Take care. If there is something, let me know, because if it's too late... Uh, you know, triage is not a good uh, course of action when it comes to walking, you know. No. It work when I think about a guide, I think about someone who would love to see, as you mentioned, the person growing. 
Dan, you are spot on. You are so spot on. I've, I've seen myself in a Portuguese where the group stops for a drink. Blah, blah, blah. I've got a 70-year-old lady sitting there for five, ten minutes. And everybody from the group has passed by already. And I turn and I just go to her and say, sorry, what are you doing? She said, I'm queuing for the loop. But the, she's not queuing. She was sitting next to the door, but everybody was queuing beside her. And so I have to say, look, it's too busy here. Move to the next spot in two kilometers. And she, she was uh, on the slightly more uh, difficult part of her journey. She was a bit more tired than others. So she needed that uh, little tap on the back and a bit of a lift up to do that. Uh, but yeah, for me, that, that, that my objective is that people grow. I want people to go work, yeah. not even on the Camino, even around their own home. Yeah. So that's, if you know that with a map, a bit of confidence, you can go from A to B to C, do it at home. Like you, we've got loads of great places, wherever you live, in Australia, in the States, uh, anywhere. Now, the Camino has this social aspect again, which is very different. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean you cannot enjoy other walks. So, and usually that's what happens, you know, you, I see by day three, four, day three, four, the group start to become uh, more independent. And that's, that's usually the case. There are ex- exceptions. Some people have come to pay for the guide, so they want to de- see the guide all the time and mm-hmm. <laughs> they require a bit more attention. So, I, I imagine that's true. I imagine that's true. The, your website follow the Camino.com is a great source of information. There's a blog, um, frequently asked questions. There's a free ebook there as well. What's one question you get more than any other? Extremely good question. Um, which Camino maybe? What Camino route? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that would be which Camino to choose from. I'd say that's the, the first one in the drill down. So, yeah, and that's uh, yeah. Yeah, which one to do? It, well, I mean, the, I, I, in the introduction, I was saying um, that I met a Spanish uh, government official last year, and he was telling me that there are eighty thousand kilometers of Camino trails across Europe. So, you know, you really can choose anything you want to do. You can you can do the busy Frances if you want to, or you can do the the most remote. Walk, you can walk indeed from Jerusalem, I think, as well. But I, yeah. I, I, I carried a notebook on my first Camino and I was flicking through it, um, preparing for this interview. And I was in um, Leon and I stayed at the Albergue de Peregrinos San Francisco de Assis. And I was sitting in the, the beautiful park ne- nearby. I wrote in my notebook, I don't think I've ever been so relaxed. However, but I'd already, I'd just walked 35 kilometers that day. So it's hardly a, a relaxing thing to do, to walk 35 kilometers. But the remarkable thing, Umberto, is it is relaxing, isn't it? Okay. Uh, I believe that the pressure and stress come uh, stress and the non-relaxation comes from stress. Stress comes from uh, a number of commitments or, uh, or triggers that we have. The mobile phone, uh, I have to pick up the kids, <clears throat> I have to tidy up the kitchen, all of these things, whatever. Just add them up. I have to renew the insurance for the house, for the car, blah, blah, blah. So there is a number of things that at home we need to do in order to get going which is stressful. While you're on the Camino, you only need to walk and to get to your next stage. And that is relaxing. Never mind the bloody insurance. Never mind the network coverage. I'll be fine in five kilometers. If I don't get coverage, I get bread and harm. And who cares? So I think the the, the relaxing effect of the Camino is the letting go. And in a way, it is quite linked to mindfulness in the sense that I'm here. If there's, a, if there's a fire at home, well, I still have 10 kilometers to go, so I might as well not stress too much about that. And that's something that, unfortunately, um, we, 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 we've lost very much. I don't know for you, but the phone with WhatsApp and the oh, WhatsApp yeah. groups and all of these things and Facebook. Mm. And you're like, oh. Oh. 
So I, I think the good thing about the Camino and, and you've interviewed John Brawley, but when he goes, for example, he doesn't take a mobile phone. Some people don't want to take a mobile phone when there. Some people want to share on Instagram, and that's good. But they have to learn to let go a bit and sometimes to switch things off or to put them on mute. It's, it's, it's okay. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I remember sitting in that park in Leon and I had just called back to Australia to tell everybody here I was okay. And I was sitting eating some ham and cheese and a, and a, a nice fresh bread roll and uh, I thought, this is heaven. My phone is not going to ring. I'm yeah. not going to get a call about work. Everybody at home is safe. I am safe. It doesn't get any better than this. And I knew at that time I still had a number, two weeks of it to go. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's just so fantastic. It really, uh, really is. And, and you know what? Not, not only they were safe, um, but I think on the Camino as well, uh, or walking or doing any type of physical activity, you also learn about life in the sense that some people... Uh, don't complete journeys because of injuries, and that's okay, right? Um, uh, there is a guy here in Ireland uh, uh, who walks uh, very, every year, once or twice, and sometimes he has failed to walk a Camino because he got an injury and so on. So what I mean as well is you put things in perspective where uh, not bad things, but injuries and, and things that don't go exactly to plan are part of the game and same in life and however fast you want to run home to help your siblings and so and so on you, I think the whole thing about uh, be, letting go is not to be in control if you're at home and for whatever reason there is something bad enough that you need to come home uh, very quickly you still have no choice but to wait one or two days because the, the, the next plane is tomorrow or the, the following day and it's not a question of wallet, again, it's just a question of how it is. And we need to learn with that. Huh? Too often at home, say, oh, yeah, but I, I don't mind paying for a taxi. That's not the point. Mm. I don't mind paying for a helicopter. Would you say the same for a private jet? Of course not. Well, why not? You could remortgage your house. Don't you think? I mean, you know. And so at some sense, it's the acceptance that we're not in control and to take things for what they are, however bad. And it's not because you're not there or that you had decided to travel, that you're a bad person. It was your time and you deserve it. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're still responsible for everyone else. And sometimes things happen and need to be accepted with a nod and compassion. And that's all. Mm. Oh, lovely. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, we're running out of time. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about um, something that I know is very important to you. And that's Responsible Traveller. Tell us quickly about Responsible Traveller and why you promote that sensibility, that philosophy. Uh, you're touching a, a bit for me down at the moment. Uh, for the past 10 years, I, I've just reached 40 a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I, I'm in the middle of my crisis uh, and I've got three children. So huh. I'm thinking about tomorrow and I'm getting a lot of information to see what's the right thing to do. Anyway, uh, we on the planet are very numerous. Uh, if people ask themselves how many people there on the planet, I'm not sure they're aware of that. There are 7.8 billion of us. And every single day, we add 250,000 human beings on the planet. Every day. Every single day. That's the balance between death and birth. 250,000. That's Charles Towns in the States. That's, I don't know, whatever town in Australia. Anyway, so we are stressing the planet. And while we need to enjoy it for our personal satisfaction, we also need to be really careful not to step on too many toes, okay? Uh, so it is important to, res to travel responsibly. What does it mean to me? Uh, it means to make the effort. Uh, let's, let's stay out of uh, the environment for one moment, but it's A, when you go to Spain, you know, when you say hi in Spanish, hola, uh, gracias, even with the weirdest of accent, it's okay <laughs> and it's good. You have made an effort. You have shown mm. your commitment. Think about somebody coming to your home, trying to say in your language, 
bread or hello. You yeah. know, that's, that's something you appreciate and vice versa. So responsible travel, it's about uh, thinking about these things, uh, very basic, so that after you walk, don't pick much. If everybody breaks a piece of stick of wood for their comfort, well, you'd be surprised after 330,000 pilgrims arriving in Santiago last year, that's a lot of stuff that would have been broken, you know? <laughs> so responsible travel is, is use the land, enjoy it, but try that if you look back, nobody will have noticed you were there. So no rubbish, no yeah. things like this. And same with people. Uh, not to treat people uh, uh, too badly or whatever. It's just just very important, you know. Mm. Uh, and then on the environmental uh, side of things, um, you know, I'm in the travel business, so we are I'm participating to uh, greenhouse gases emission and all of these things. But anything does uh, emit something. So we're now offsetting our carbon uh, by rewetting a bog peatland in the west of Ireland. So that's an initiative uh, we've started uh, last year. And it is extremely exciting uh, because we are trying to do something good. And instead of buying it uh, online at the cheapest uh, uh, way, again, that I'm, the same thing with my hotels, the same thing with my suppliers. Yeah. Money is not so much an, an issue. It's what is the substance of things, right? What yeah. is the reality? I could buy a ton of carbon uh, offset at a dollar. It would be great for me. It could cost me a dollar per annum. Mm. But instead, I choose to do that in Ireland because we cannot always buy the cheap stuff and um, uh, and export our um, our low wages, our uh, uh, emissions, our big, uh, yeah, all of these things. So I'm doing that in Ireland. It's a bit more expensive, but. Uh, it is dearer to me because I can touch it, I can feel it, I can see it, and I can see how hard it is, mm. as opposed to just buying something uh, uh, like this. So, yeah, not the easiest, but uh, <laughs> it will be more rewarding, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Look, one, one last question, if I may. What does 2021 look like? We were thinking it was going to be the holy year, Um well, I think everything's changed now. What are you thinking the holy year will look like next year? We are waiting. I'm working on a month-by-month basis. So we've uh, reviewed our objective for 2021 uh, down 35% from 2019. Now I think it might be more down 50% and mm. maybe even less from 2019. Yeah. What we're, at the moment, people are not in the traveling, travel booking mind space. Yeah. People are more uh, upgrading their home, uh, making sure to keep a job and so on. So it's very, very quiet. Um, there will be some travelers. There are some. There are always some early adopters, some people who are more adventurous and say, F that, I'm still going, and that's okay. But I don't think that will be the, the, the majority so what I would say is month by month we'll see uh, by the end of the year if it is a minus 50% on 2019 or if it is a, it might be a blank year like this year, to be honest. Like this year we lost 98% of our business. Um, and if there is no vaccine by March, it may be the same. Look at it this way. Uh, you are, there are planes flying around, but you're advised not to travel. So governments are putting the fault on people's responsibility, making us irresponsible if, if we take the risk. How about turning the coin around, you know? It's like, uh, we're just trying to, to do things that are allowed. Oh, but you shouldn't. Well, why do we allow? Why are we allowed to do so? So I think some people are waiting for this vaccine. Uh, yeah, uh, it might be a blank year, to be honest. It might be, I don't know. Yeah. This is a... Uh, what, what have you got? Uh, uh, I don't know if you have an opinion on that. I, well, I I'm a taker of any uh, crystal ball <laughs> reading at the well, moment. To be I, I, the the as I said at the very very beginning of the podcast, um, one thing is certain, and that is no one knows what the future holds. We just simply don't know, 
And I know that that's causing a lot of people a lot of stress and a lot of distress. Uh, But I think if there's one thing that we all share, which gives us some comfort, it's the Camino de Santiago. (laughs) And it will always be there. And we can always get there. We maybe just can't get there as soon as we like. That's right. That's a very, uh, very, yeah, that's very powerful. Yeah. And, and, and Umberto, it must be wonderful, a wonderful work life when the destination you're dealing with is so special to so many people. So congratulations on the work you do. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And I look forward to our paths crossing one day. Perhaps it'll be in Dublin. Perhaps it'll be in France. Perhaps it'll be in the grandstand watching a great game of rugby. But I know one day our paths will cross. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It's been a great pleasure. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks, Dan. My pleasure too. It was great. My guest this week, Umberto Di Venosa, founder of followthecamino.com. The French author Frédéric Gross wrote in his best-selling book, A Philosophy of Walking. None of your knowledge, your reading... Your connections will be of any use here. Two legs suffice and big eyes to see with. Walk alone across mountains or through forests. You are nobody to the hills or the thick boughs heavy with greenery. You are no longer a role or a status, not even an individual, but a body. A body that feels sharp stones on the paths, the caress of long grass and the freshness of the wind. When you walk... The world has neither present nor future, nothing but the cycle of mornings and evenings, always the same thing to do all day, walk. But the walker who marvels while walking, the blue of the rocks in a July evening light, the silvery green of olive leaves at noon, the violet morning hills, has no past, no plans, no experience. He has within him the eternal child. While walking, I am but a simple gaze. The world may have changed, but it doesn't mean we can't keep walking to the beat of our hearts. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Thanks for your company. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, someone.